KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The Biden administration recently announced its much-anticipated student loan forgiveness program. Borrowers who owe federal student loans and qualify for the program are eligible for $10,000 of forgiveness. If a borrower also received a Pell Grant, they could be eligible for $20,000 of forgiveness. Now, this program has generated a lot of debate, and we wanted to go beyond just those top-line numbers and talk about why the focus on Pell Grants is important. Also talk about some other aspects of the program that could help borrowers beyond just the loan forgiveness. For this conversation, we caught up with Dr. Sam Rosen. He is an assistant professor of finance at Temple University's Fox School of Business. So to start, I mean, this is something that I I know President Biden campaigned on. It has been talked about ad nauseum for a year and a half. Would they do this? Would they not do it? How would it be structured? It seems like what they've done here, this is significant. This is this is going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Yes, that's right. So uh, to be clear here, you know, we're talking about a policy that is offering, you know, debt forgiveness to a few hundred billion dollars in debt. You know, I've seen a lot about talk about whether or not this is a policy that's kind of paid for. Uh, but I think regardless of, of kind of your views uh, of where exactly the money is coming from, it certainly is uh, a transfer of resources from the government's perspective uh, to people who have student loan debt. Specifically, I wanted to talk about the Pell Grants. Uh, this jumped out at me. This seems like the focus on borrowers utilizing Pell Grants was kind of designed really to help lower income borrowers. Would I, am I correct with that? Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Where this is a, a targeted debt relief program, right? Where the targets, they're based on income, the amount of borrowing you have, and the aspects of your borrowing, where Pell Grants, as you mentioned, uh, are one of them. So Pell Grants, for people who aren't familiar, these are need-based federal grants for undergraduate studies. And so one thing that uh, it indicates about someone is it tells you that because they received a Pell Grant, that they necessarily came from a lower income household. It seems like, and I don't want to get into the politics of it too much, but the fact that this is designed, it seems to kind of nip in the bud this argument that this is going to bail out wealthy college elites. It seems like it, it really is maybe not completely designed, but but put together with the idea of helping those in the lowest income tier who have the most debt. Um, yeah, and, and I'd, I'd say I agree. I don't necessarily want to get into the, the politics of it, but I think maybe one thing before coming back to your point about kind of who it helps or maybe, you know, exactly, yeah, what, what groups are, are being helped the most. Um, I think it's important just to think about kind of what's the argument for forgiveness in the first place. And essentially, the, the, the rationale is that, you know, student loan debt, like any debt, uh, it can be a really crushing burden on someone's financial life and really undermine their financial security. And so just imagine someone with a, a high debt burden and, and a low income, you know, that person may not be able to afford, you know, a decent lifestyle nor accumulate wealth. And basically removing that debt from someone's, you know, balance sheet actually can really have a, a huge positive impact. And I think here it's also important to remember that student loans are special in the sense that they're not dischargeable uh, in bankruptcy. So, you know, you hear things about people defaulting on their student loans, but the idea is that debt still remains as an obligation is something that both the government and debt collectors will keep trying to collect for them, uh, even if they they demonstrably uh, can't pay for it. Yeah. And that's something I think that people fail to realize is 
student loans that they are not the same as credit card debt. It, it will follow you regardless of your situation. That's right. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's just very, very hard to get student loans uh, discharged. And then you think, okay, you're delinquent or you default. And even those events can really leave uh, a mark on your, your credit records, pe- people from buying homes and cars, renting apartments, getting jobs. And so I think that's really the, the idea behind this policy is that you know, you're allowing borrowers to basically you know, reduce this debt burden uh, and therefore get access to you know, credit, housing, jobs, um, and, and really have a positive impact uh, on their lives. And so I think, you know, getting back to your point about kind of who exactly does this uh, policy help the most, you know, I think I've definitely noticed in the kind of discourse that everyone, I think, has an idea of, of who is the, the kind of median student debt holder, kind of who's, who's holding the most, the most debt. And, and I think that kind of characterization of that person really influences whether or not they think this is a good policy. And so here, I think there's kind of two things that can be true at the same time, which is that, you know, it is true that student loan debt, uh, at least in terms of the amount held, is disproportionately held by people with high incomes. But I think the the point is that the way the policy is designed by having a cap on, you know, 10,000, or in some cases, 20,000 on, on debt that can be forgiven, you know, I think that really mitigates a lot of those concerns that you're helping out people with, with high incomes, because those are also people who have very high levels of debt. So for them, this forgiveness would only uh, go towards part of their debt burden. And moreover, there's that restriction on the uh, income threshold, which is based on a, a couple of years ago, that would also mitigate the idea that you're real, even forgiving $10,000 in debt of someone who's you know making a lot of money. And another one of the interesting things of this executive action is it, there's other kind of bullet points that go beyond just the the, the headline numbers that it seems like are going to help maybe borrowers that don't qualify for the you know the ten thousand dollars in forgiveness right off the top. And I'm read I took these right off of a White House press release, and I would like to kind of go through them and talk about you know how the impact you think they could have for undergraduate loans. This will cut in half the amount that borrowers have to pay each month from ten percent to five percent of discretionary income. I think you hear that number. Oh, that's not a big deal. If I get 5% off something, 10% off something, it's not that. But when you're talking about discretion, that that's a big difference. Yeah, I think that that's right. And, and you know, another thing to know about, about student loans is that I view kind of a lot of those aspects of the forgiveness, including the one you just mentioned, as essentially, I'll call them enhancements of a, existing policy where there are things such as income-driven, you know, repayment plans and ways to kind of switch into that. But the, the thing about you know, at least the default way that federal student loans are structured is that they actually don't have any sort of contingent structure to them. So most people who borrow student loans, your your essentially uh, your repayment plan is is based on kind of a fixed uh, schedule of repayments. Uh, and at least from what I know about those plan, uh, the income driven repayment plans is that even though they're kind of great in theory, there's something that can actually be difficult for borrowers to really enroll in and switch over to uh, when they start experiencing difficulties repaying student loans. And so the types of policies or, or aspects of the student loan forgiveness that's kind of enhances those aspects or maybe even makes them a little bit uh, easier on borrowers, I think just kind of continue along that line of saying that we don't want this to be necessarily a crushing burden on you. We want to be able to adjust the debt burden if your income doesn't necessarily allow you to make those types of payments. Another thing that this action does, it forgives loan balances after 10 years instead of 20 years. 
and that's for borrowers with original loan balances of $12,000 or less. And I think that's the original loan balance is key there because with interest over the years, you've heard, I think everybody has seen a Twitter thread of someone who started with $30,000 and for whatever reason or another 30 years later, they owe $100,000 and they still haven't gotten to the to the principal. Uh, that's another thing that I think could make a significant difference in, in people that are trying to repay this in good faith. Yeah, that's right. And, and even some of the existing parts of the student loan program where there was a specific carve out that if you went into, for example, public service, that would kind of allow you to either yeah, have your debt kind of wiped out after a certain number of years. You know, I think the at least I'll call it the problem with some of those uh, aspects of the, the student loan policies that they also require you to be making your payments on time and, and and have demonstrated that you've been paying them off. And so, you know, someone runs into financial hardship, they fall behind on payments, they become delinquent, they actually might have been uh, therefore not able to take advantage of those specific programs that they thought they were eligible for. And so it seems like a lot of these aspects that you're talking about actually kind of help allow people to get back in uh, to those types of programs. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Sam Rosen right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Sam Rosen. Do you have any concern? One of the things you heard about this at first, and I think it kind of faded away, was there was concern that it would be inflation. It, it would hurt inflation. And I'm, I'm not a finance or economist person, but we've been in this pause of people not paying their student loans since the beginning of the pandemic. So that money not coming in or being redirected, it feels like to me, is it kind of already baked in so it would have a limited effect on inflation? Am I reading that wrong or is there something I'm not giving proper context to? No, I, th- I think you kind of have have the basics, right? And 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 I also think that kind of your your point about student loan payments kind of already being paused for, you know, essentially the past two years is I think also a compelling argument that um, this type of policy wouldn't necessarily uh, lead to to a huge pressure on inflation. To me, that's some some of that discussion is a little bit uh, of a distraction from the sense that uh, you know this is at least a program designed to help and ideally target the people who need this type of debt relief uh, the most. And I think to the extent that there's any kind of inflationary pressures that come out of this type of of debt forgiveness, I think they're kind of a, a second order effect compared to at least the the benefit that the program is actually trying to achieve. Another thing I've heard is a lot of people talk about this being challenged in court. And I know you're not a, a lawyer, but did, any idea what would be challenged? Are we talking like constitutionality? Are we, would there be banks maybe that are, were, that had control of these payments were connected that would claim that they're being hurt? Do, do you see a, a road where we might see lawsuits that, that would proceed or, or maybe grab some headlines? So you're absolutely right. I'm not not a lawyer, and and actually, uh, prior to this conversation, I didn't uh, I haven't heard too much on my end, at least about these uh, potential lawsuits. Uh, although now that you mention it, I can see how how maybe that's that's a concern. But at least one thing I I do know about the student loan market, and also at least the the program itself is that the majority of of student loans are held and and made by the government. Uh, so I at least would say, kind of on the the debt collection side, if it's the government. For giving those loans, I, I don't know exactly who would be bringing those lawsuits. Um, I, I I would be interested to kind of learn more about that, but but I'm not sure. Kind of yeah, to me, I don't necessarily know where where those lawsuits would be coming from. To me, this kind of is half the battle. We 
do something about people that have already borrowed, but college is still crazy expensive. And do you have concerns that 10, 15 years from now, we could be having this conversation and we've got a whole nother generation of people that have student loan debt because we really haven't done the work to address the cost of college across the board? You know, I, I think that that is kind of a, a, a fair criticism of, of this type of uh, student debt forgiveness, um, and certainly one I've seen uh, uh, iterated by kind of many others as well, that, you know, this student loan forgiveness isn't fixing the underlying problem of just, you know, exploding costs of uh, university education, and, you know, whether or not, uh, at least, you know, for certain universities, whether or not that's actually a, a worthwhile investment. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair criticism. Um where you know I would view kind of this this program, this student loan forgiveness, this this seems to be something that's not necessarily trying to solve all the problems associated with higher education, uh, but at least a program that's trying to kind of alleviate a, a significant debt burden off of a large number of Americans who could really really use that help. I think that's actually another important thing I, I neglected to mention earlier that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand about student loan debt which is that the majority of the people who have defaulted or are really having uh, difficulties with their student loan balances are actually people who never even got a degree, right? So these are people who who, who didn't necessarily finish college. In fact, uh, a, a large, I think it's something like a quarter of people who actually start college don't end up leaving with a degree. And so I think, you know, you can view this policy as really trying to help those people out who, who you know, ended up borrowing money, going to university and, and not able uh, or, or not graduating with a degree that actually helped them make more money to, to pay it back. Uh, and so I would kind of view this policy as really kind of aimed, aimed at helping that group that uh, is, is currently uh, suffering. There's been a lot of criticism of this in the political realm, and then there's been a lot of firing back of the people talking about, well, you had PPP loans forgiven and nobody seemed to think that was the end of civilized society. Uh, I understand people are scoring political points and I don't want to address it from that. But is there is this an apples to orange situation here? Is there some uh, similarity just from a kind of financial or were those PPP loans kind of designed to not be paid back or the idea that they wouldn't be paid back because it was an emergency situation? Yeah, I think I think you've got that ex exactly right. That that I, that this really I, I've never found that comparison very fair. Where at, I mean, as you know, we've we've uh, had previous conversations on the PPP. This is a topic I'm very familiar with and have a a published paper on. Yeah, the PPP is it was specifically designed to help out businesses that were forced to shut down uh, during during government shutdowns, so they could maintain their workforce and kind of stay afloat during that. That difficult time period, and 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 what you said is exactly right. That they were designed from their conception to be essentially grants, right? I mean, they were in the form of forgivable loans, but they were essentially you know cash grants to to businesses to help them out during that time period. And I think that's definitely different from what the student loan market represents, where student loans are upfront meant to be paid back uh, after one earns a, a degree that can help them pay it back. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't think that's a particularly fair comparison. Before this was put in place, there was a lot of people complaining that, you know, the president hasn't met his responsibilities. But one of the things I think the administration worked, it seems, to to fix a lot of things that have been broken in the system. Like you talked about, like, if you go into public service and it seems like they kind of got that working, they, they work to 
forgive money for you know institutions that were less than truthful and what they could produce to students. Uh, even before this, I, I just think the Biden administration specifically had done a lot of work to try to right some wrongs in the student loan circle. Am I am I giving them too much credit? Um, I mean, I would I would say that I think that that work kind of started maybe uh, you know a little over a decade ago. Um, where definitely in, in the in the wake of the the Great Recession, um, there was certainly I think a, a pretty large reckoning within the uh, higher education. Where I guess I'd say a lot of factors combined together: the, the Great Recession, as well as maybe the greater availability availability of of data on you know who's borrowing and and uh, you know how much they're they're earning and able to study that. Where essentially we realized that there was a a large portion of the higher ed sector that really wasn't delivering much value to students, despite saddling them with lots of debt. And I think, you know, so so back, uh, you know, in the early 2010s, there was a lot of pushes of, of ways to reform the program in terms of, uh, you know, being stricter about which institutions are actually eligible for people to take federal student loans to attend and and trying to at least monitor those institutions and make sure those students are, are getting jobs and actually able to repay those loans. And so I would kind of view any, you know, recent efforts in the Biden or, or Trump or administrations that that kind of continued along those lines, looking at it uh, in a very similar way that there, you know, there, there definitely is a problem where you give subsidized credit uh, to people to go to school and the government definitely has a, uh, or should be monitoring uh, what schools they're going to and making sure that they're they're making loans that are also worthwhile investments. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon and we'll have another episode out soon.